How are you? Woo, they said. We're good. We're good. All right. Hey, it's good to see you. All right, look around because this is getting toward the last time that it will kind of look this sparse because people are finishing up their last final week of vacations before school starts back. But maybe if you look to your left, look to your right, and you see somebody that normally sits in your area and you haven't seen them in a while, give them a holler and tell them we're glad that summer's over and things are starting back, right? All right, hey, we're finishing our series, not finishing, but continuing our series on uh, groups, and the, the title is, is Rows and Circles. And I just want to kind of give you a, a review of what happened last week. If you didn't hear the message last week, uh, go back and listen to it. You can find it on the podcast just to kind of uh, keep up with what's going on. But we just talked about uh, specifically that whole idea of rows and circles and just that concept of that in our culture and when things, the way things are, usually when we think about being in a row, we think about us sitting somewhere and, and getting information to us. We're being taught. Or if we go to a concert, we're we're in a row, even if the auditorium is circular shaped or oval shaped, you're still sitting in a row beside people, and the idea is that you're, you're being entertained or you're going to receive something. When you go to school, you sit in a desk in a row, and you expect the teacher to bestow wisdom and information on you, so you're, you're receiving something, and, and it's kind of the idea that when we're in rows, we really don't say a whole lot, we kind of just take in whatever it is. When you come to church, when we're in rows like we are now, you, you, you kind of come, although we, you participate some, and hopefully, you know, as we do that, it's, it's not always meant to be a monologue, but the nature of the beast is that somebody stands here and kind of teaches and talks, and you listen and think and write and all that kind of stuff. So it's the idea of somebody's here and you're getting information. That's not a bad thing that happens, but what we're talking about is the difference between rows and circles. And so in a circle, there's this idea that it's more inclusive. You're sitting around where you see each other's faces. Circles indicate that there's more particip participation. Oftentimes, you're invited into a circle when you're in a row, you have to step over people a lot of times to get to your seat. When you're in a circle, you just find your seat and you sit down. So the idea is that life groups, being in a group here, we like to think of them as circles where it's not just taking information, that you've been invited into a group, you're a part of a group, you're getting not only information, but last week we talked about it's a great opportunity for you to be able to bridge that gap between information and application. And as I said last week, you know, if you have information without application, you get, if you don't know it, if you don't know what that is, go back and listen to the podcast from last week, right? Somebody said it out loud, right? So, uh, so that's kind of the difference, and that's what we're talking about. Again, not that rows are bad. We, we need times when things like this happen. But in order uh, for the church to really be the church, we need those times where we have the circle where we can do life together, where we can actually have an opportunity, opportunity to better maybe apply what we're learning and, and make use of what we're learning. So that's kind of the whole concept uh, of, of what we're talking about in rows and circles. So we're going to continue that this morning with the idea of our life groups being a place that is a caring community. I just kind of want you to think about that. When you think about the circles and the groups that we do at the church, that it's, it's more than just an uh, informational time. It's more than just studying another book. It's more than just 
reading a book and having conversation about it. It, it is the idea within all of that that happens that these groups are little places of a, of a caring community. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. If you have your Bible, turn there on your phone or in your, in your uh, pages that you have. And uh, we say this all the time, I want to encourage you, I know if you don't bring a Bible in some form, it doesn't matter if it's on a tablet, if it's on a phone, uh, do you have a, a physical Bible that you bring? Bring it with you if, you if you have one. If you don't have one, let us know. We'll be glad to help you get one. We always have the scripture on the screen, but there's just something about being able to turn that into uh, where something that you own, where you can see those words on something that you have, you can find that book and not just be dependent on what we have on the screen. It's just, it makes a different learning experience and a different connection. So I uh, just encourage you to do that. But I'm going to read uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 27. And we, um, we have been using the English Standard Version. Version is what you see the majority of the time of on here. So if you have a New International Version or a different version, the words might be a little bit different. But that's the version that we choose to use. Uh, here, so uh, look at this with me, and let's let's read the scripture. It says now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between Spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of the one Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense... Let me back up on 17. I think I read that backwards. If the whole body were an eye, where would, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body uh, were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you may have read those scriptures. You may have, have heard that. You may have looked at that a lot of different times. But I want us to, to look at those uh, scriptures and talk about some things about being in groups, those circles that we're talking about, of that being a caring community and looking at what the Bible says about how that takes place in the body. He talks about the body. He's talking about the body of Christ. If you are a believer, you're a part of the body of Christ. It's not uh, bound to any denomination. It doesn't mean that you have to be just Baptist. It's just whatever denomination the person chooses uh, to practice their faith in and to be a part of a congregation somehow. If they are believers in Jesus Christ, they are a part of what the Bible calls the body of Christ. So it's all of us. We choose to gather here in this local representation of the body of Christ. We call ourselves Freedom Fellowship. And those who are believers, this is how we choose to gather to do the work that God, we think, wants to be done. And we do it through this local gathered body of Christ. So if you're a believer, that's what that means as far as the body of Christ. So, so here, here are some things that I want us to think about that as we see in the Scripture that believers are given gifts so that uh, there would be no division and to provide care. Look again at verses 25 and 26. It says that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So here's something you may want to jot this down or, or, or somehow in your phone or, or just think about it when we think about these groups being a caring community. Here's what I want you to think about. One of the things is that the ministry of caring belongs to the whole body of Christ. Now, that's important. Read that with me. The ministry of caring. All right, now, more than six people read that with me. The ministry of caring belongs to the who? The whole. Emphasize the word whole. Just say that word. The whole body of Christ. The entire body of Christ. That body that makes up all believers. When we gather as a local representation of that, I kind of think the interpretation for that for us would be that the ministry of caring belongs to this body of believers for this body. It belongs to all of us. Now here's a thing that has happened somehow or another in the church as time has gone on and as we have tried to uh, organize the body of Christ and bring it together in local representations and do work. What has happened over the years is there have become professional people in the ministry to do pastoring and pastor a church and other ministers of other things. Somewhere along the way, we have developed this idea that the caring for the body of Christ is only given to those that we are paying to do ministry, the professional people, you know, the ones who are really qualified to do ministry, right? 
So, and, and there's certainly a place for that. But when we look at what the Bible says, especially in this context, and there are a lot of other scriptures that support that, but the idea of that, ever since that we've had these words, the concept has been, in order for the body of Christ to be taken care of, it is the responsibility of the entire body of Christ. And it says that specifically so that you can be cared for, so that there would be no division in the body. So if you are a believer, you are part of the body of Christ, it is part of your responsibility to help take care of your body, right? It would be similar to saying, hey, this is your body. You can't expect somebody else to take care of it for you. You're responsible for taking care of it for yourself. So in this body of Christ, as we think about it, that the, the concept here is that this ministry of caring, it belongs to all of us. Now, how does that look in the church and what happens? What are some of the things that happen? Well, like I said, there's, there's obvious things that happen. We think of caring for the church being those people who have the title of pastor in the church, and there's certainly an appropriate place for that. You know, pastors, pastoral care, we even put on, on that, the idea of pastoral care. Uh, you know, the pastors uh, visit hospitals and counsel with people and help people in the spiritual way. There's certainly, there's certainly a part for that. But think about the other ways that, that that is supposed to happen within the body. You know, we have greeters here every week. And you may not think of them officially as providing care, but the idea of welcoming people and helping people, that is, that is a caring thing to do for people. We have people who teach. We have people who teach children. We have people who take care of children. That is a very caring thing to do for the body of Christ, right? Those things are, are very, very important. There are other things that happen through just people within in our own body. You know, you may not have an official title, but you have relationships with people in this body, and when there are needs and when there are things that need to, uh, in the form of care, you've been a part of that. You speak encouraging words to each other, the, the, the one another things that we talked about earlier. And, and you do that without having an official title. So that is part of what we're talking about as far as how caring happens within the body so those things are good i'm not knocking those things and those things should happen and they will uh, happen and continue to happen but although those things are valid although those things are good here's what i want us to think about being in a life group increases your ability to give and receive care being in a life group it increases your ability to give and receive care it's not one-sided there's two sides of that coin. It's the giving and the receiving. And if nobody's giving, then nobody's going to receive. And if you're in need for care, somebody has to give that care to you. So it goes both ways. So uh, here's why I think that, that in, being in a group increases your ability to do that. For one, it's a smaller setting. You get together in a group. You meet on mainly... Uh, pretty much a weekly basis you may take breaks or you do different things but as a general rule our groups meet once a week on whatever day they choose to meet or whatever but you're you're in that group for an extended period of time with a smaller group of people and just by the nature of that that increases your ability to give and receive care because when you're in a group and you're with those people week in week out 
you hear what's going on in their life, you hear the good things, you hear the bad things, like the scripture says, when, the, when one part suffers, the whole body suffers, when one part rejoices, we all rejoice. So when you're in a group with people, you get to know them. And just the fact of being more aware of what's going on in other people's lives enhances your ability to be able to give care and receive care as you're part of a group. So the very fact that just that you're in a group uh, I think just really uh, increases your ability to be able to give and receive care. Now I want to talk about those two things because these are the important things about the group, all right? There are a lot of reasons to join a group and go on about a bunch of stuff, but we're talking about it being a caring community and those two things, to be able to give and receive. Look at, again, verse 7. It says, to each. How many? How many? Each. Meaning what, just a few people who are in the body? No, each one of them. Every single one of them, every single person who is in the body, every single believer who is, believes in Jesus Christ is part of the church, part of the body of Christ. So when it says each, that's what he's talking about. Not some of them, not the chosen ones, not the ones who have masters of divinity from the seminary. Not, it's, it's, it's to each person in the body. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The, the manifestation of the Spirit. When you, believe in, when you believe in Jesus, when you recognize that what the Bible says, that, that we're sinners apart from God, we have a sinful nature when we're born, we're separated from God by nature, the fact that Jesus took that sin upon himself, offered himself as a sacrifice, a perfect sacrifice, to pay the penalty for our sin, that when we believe in him, that through him our relationship with God can be restored and we can be called a child of God and live with him forever, right? That's the basic message of the gospel. When that happens, if you've ever made that choice, if you've ever done that in your life, the Bible teaches that we are imparted God's Holy Spirit into our lives. And this scripture tells us that one evidence of that uh, Holy Spirit in our life, the, the working out of the manifestation of something that dwells within us is the idea that we have been gifted and that shows in our lives of how we use that. Does that make sense? So he says, to each of us, to each is given the manifestation of, of the Spirit. For who? For your own selfish purposes? No. It says, you're, we are gifted for the common good of the body. You as a believer in Jesus have been giving at least a gift from God through the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of that is to use that gift within the body of Christ for the common good. Not to be just used on ourselves, but to be used for the common good of the body. So that's an important scripture. Verse 11 also says, All these things empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Not he meaning the individual, he meaning the Holy Spirit. God imparts to us, okay, right? Now, has anybody, uh, you have, I think I asked you this last week, of course I don't remember who you are. You ever done any kind of like spiritual gifts, inventory or whatever, and you say, you know, I've, I've answered some questions and I kind of have an idea of, based on the gifts in the Bible, of what the Bible says, uh, you know, what my gift might be. Anybody ever done that? 
few of you have done that, okay? So maybe you're thinking, okay, I have the gift of help, I have the gift of encouragement, I have the gift of knowledge or the gift of wisdom or the gift of teaching. Or there, there's a lot, of, a lot of gifts other than what's mentioned in here. There's Romans 12. There's some that people even pull in from the Old Testament of craftsmanship and those types of things, which I think is, is, is really valid. So the idea of you're aware that there's something within you that God has given you and to be able to use that for the common good. And it says, as he wills. Now, a lot of times, here's what I have heard people say when I have uh, administered those, uh, those gift inventories and those types of things. Inevitably, somebody will say, well, I wish I had the gift of... And they'll name a, a different gift other than the one that they have discovered that they have, right? Well, I just have the gift of help. I wish I had the gift of leadership. I just have this gift. I wish I had, you know, you see somebody else using their gift and they're passionate about it and you kind of get all charged up when you see them using your gift and you say, I wish I had that gift because you see how it's being used. That's a manifestation of the Spirit. We don't choose our gifts. The Bible says that, that we've been given something based on what God knows we need and who we are as it applies to the common good of the body. Right? So we don't, we don't choose our gifts. Well, I, I think I'll take this one, this one, and this one. You know? It's not a progressive commercial where you ring and you run all the different ones and you choose the one that's the best value, right? The idea is that to recognize, okay, if I'm a believer, the Bible says I have a gift within me, and the purpose of that gift is to be, to be used within the body for the common good. As, I, the, as, as God works that out in my life, I use that so that it's, it's builds up the church, it builds up the body of Christ. Now, now think about this. Think about if, uh, let's just say, okay, it's Christmas time. I know it's August, but, you know, Christmas will be here before you know it, right? Think about Christmas time, and, and you're looking forward to maybe getting some gifts, and somebody gives you a gift. And you open that gift up in front of them, and you look at it, and you say, well, that's nice, but I wish you would have given me something else. <laughs> Not good, right? Or you're sitting in a room as, you know, other family members are opening up gifts, and you open up your gift, and you're looking around at what other people have gotten, and you look at theirs, and you look at yours, and you look at theirs, and you look at yours, and you say, hmm, I wish I had, I wish I had that one. Now, that's a human example, and thank goodness God's not as fickle as we are as humans because, you know, we, our feelings would get hurt if somebody said that to us. But it's kind of the same concept. If, if you can understand God knows who you are, what you need, how you're best utilized within the body, he has gifted you accordingly. And to not recognize that would be like not opening the gift at all. And to open it and wish you had somebody else's would be like being at the Christmas party and doing that. The idea is to realize, hey, God has, God knows me. He's gifted me. I need to figure out how to use that gift for the common good in the body. So when we talk about uh, giving and receiving and how that applies in our groups to realize that, that life groups are a great place for you to utilize your gift 
in a caring community. You're not limited to using them in a group. It doesn't mean that's the only place you can use it. It doesn't mean you're limited to using it within this local representation of the body. You can use it in the, anywhere in the entire body of Christ. You could be uh, communicating with people across the world, utilizing your gift, and it's, it's doing something to edify the body and for the common good of the universal church, the body of Christ. But since we are gathered here, and this is where you choose to be your local church, and if you're in a group, you have an opportunity to utilize that gift. That's what will make groups even more awesome, right? That's what makes a group. It's not going to be that you have some kind of master teacher in a life group, and you're just going to go and sit and get this awesome information and just take it in, take it in, take it in, take it in, and never do anything with it. That would defeat the purpose of being in a circle, right? The idea is that we're learning from each other. When we gather in groups, there are opportunities for all of those different groups, that the uh, gifts that the Bible talks about, for those to be utilized, not only in the larger gathering, but in that smaller gathering when you're there with people. So being in a group, it just increases the idea, your ability to give and receive gifts. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about it that way, because a lot of times we talk about, hey, you need to get in a group, you'll make friends, you'll get to know people better, and you'll be able to serve, and all those things are true. But you might be thinking, hey, you know, my life's pretty well together. I don't have a lot of problems. I don't feel like I'm a person that's always in need, and that's okay, and that's good if you don't. But if you've been avoiding groups because you somehow think it's something where everybody just sits around and talks about all their woes and everybody, everybody needs help kind of thing, it's like this, this intensive support group where you have to, my nephews make a joke about, you know, you have to sit in your lonely chair and talk about your feelings. <laughs> you know, it's not that. I mean, there are opportunities to do that if you have needs. But if you think, hey, life groups are not for me. I'm not a needy person. I'm my own person. You know, I don't need to do that. I would challenge you. You need to be in the group to be able to give. Instead of holding back on how God has gifted you, your gifts are needed in groups. You help complete the body. And so groups that don't have your gift is like a body missing parts. Just not complete. It can function. It can adapt. It can change, just like we do if we happen to miss parts in our body. Some of you may have had to learn to do that. There are things that are missing, and you, you learn to adapt, and that's okay. But it's better in groups if those gifts are represented and you're able to give those. It's a way of serving. It's a way of letting that gift be used for the common good, okay? So, so gifts uh, are, are increase, uh, these gifts increase our abilities by being in the group to give and receive. All right, how about receiving, all right? Get to the receiving part, right? How many of you are in a group? Now, I'm not going to make you sign up and make you feel guilty if you're not. You've either in one now or you've been in one since, since we've been doing groups, all right? How many of you, by being in that group, have ever received some type of care, right? Either you've been prayed for, somebody just puts their arm around you and gives you a hug when you needed it, You've probably been in my group if that happens because I like to hug people, right? We've received care. And here's the way that it plays out a lot of times in our groups. We do. You have, a, you have an opportunity where you have people to pray for you. And sometimes we make a lot of that. Well, you know, nothing left to do but pray. Well, you know, that should be where we start, right? 
have people where you're able to be able to get a group of people around you and say, hey, here's here's what's going on in my life right now. It doesn't have to be uh, the, the world's coming to an end. It doesn't have to be life's falling apart. But hey, here are the things I'm kind of dealing with. I need God's guidance. I want people praying for me so that God can can hear prayers of other people and give me some wisdom, give me some guidance. You know, a person, especially in a group who has what the Bible calls the gift of faith, yeah, what an awesome gift in a group. Not only is everybody praised, but no, there's somebody who's been gifted in such a way that they can believe God for you. Isn't that awesome to be able to do that? So prayer is one of the things. Uh, sometimes it's good to receive counsel from other people, right? Especially from other people who have some sense. You ever receive counsel from people who are just stupid? <laughs> they think they know everything and they just want to tell everybody what to do. Yeah, it's good to receive counsel from people who have a little experience in life. What if within the group there's one or more people who have the gift of wisdom? Wouldn't you want somebody helping you think through things in your life, especially if they have the gift of wisdom? Not that that other people can't help you who don't have that gift, but to know this is is my gift. For whatever reason, it doesn't mean I'm smarter than you, better than you, or whatever. God's gifted me in such a way that he's just given me wisdom, and I can hear situations, and I I can hear things you're dealing with, and with God's Spirit manifesting within me, the working out of the gift that I've been given, I can give wise counsels, not based on me, it's based on the gift that God has given me. Isn't that awesome to know that you can depend on people to say, hey, here's what I'm thinking about doing, you know, what do you think about this? And know that there's somebody who could give you some, some good advice. Here's a, pro- here's a problem I have. Here's a good thing that's going on. Um, somebody with the gift of knowledge in your group. How about just the idea of that that when you get together, you have other people who are helping share burdens that you have. You ever had a burden? We'll use that in church, you know. You ever had something that you were thinking about, that you were dealing with? There's a problem in your life. There's a decision that you've got to make, and it just feels like a weight that's on you. And you know how good that feels to have people in your group to come beside you and not take your burden away, but dip under and help carry that a little bit with you as you walk together. Man, that is an awesome thing to have happen, and that happens a lot in groups as people are not only giving, but they're receiving care. So there are a lot of different things like that that happens. Here's what I know. I mentioned this last week. I know since I've been here, there have been numerous times when there has been some type of illness, whether it be hospitalization or some type of illness, somebody within this church, and those people belong to a group, and that group has gotten together and they've prayed for that person, they've gotten meals together. If that's something that's been, that was needed to help them during the time, if they've been in the hospital, they've gone and they've visited with them, they've prayed with them, they've provided care with them, and then that group leader a lot of times would call the office and talk to me or Cliff and say, hey, I just want you to know, in case you don't know, so-and-so is in the hospital. We've already visited. We've got meals planned for the next two weeks. We just want to let you know that we're taking care of people. Now listen, that is awesome. 
we never took offense at that. And we won't take, uh, somehow you've robbed me of what I should be doing. I'm thinking, man, that is a healthy church. That's a healthy group to be able to provide care in the way. It doesn't mean that the pastor doesn't care. It means that you're in a group with those people. You're, you're meeting with them regularly. You know them probably much better than other people do. Why not you be the ones to provide the care? Because care, the ministry of care, is the responsibility of the whole body, right? Such a shame. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be negative about how other churches choose to do things. But listen, and I've, I've been there. Do you know how horrible it is unless you have a really big ego? Do you know how horrible it is for a congregation to have this expectation that real ministry hasn't happened until the pastor has visited? You know, you have 14 people come from your, from your group. You have people in the community come, Christians praying for people, and they feel like they haven't been cared for until the official pastor shows up. Man. I mean, yeah, he'd probably do some stuff too, but, you know, care is care, right? It's the responsibility of the whole body. And to know that, that we all have a responsibility in that. You don't have to wait for the official visit to feel like it's been okay. So those are things I know have happened in our group. We provide the meals. I know that there have been people within groups that when their situations come up, people have watched people's children to enable them to do something that they had to take care of. That's happened in groups. I know that. That people, people have watched people's children so that other people can go out on a date and not have to pay for child care. That's caring for one another. That's caring for the body of Christ. There people just this past week, I know there, there's uh, somebody within this church who had a, a death of a family member, and people within that group, they didn't call the church to ask what they needed to do or what they were supposed to do or how they could do it. People from within that group went and supported that family and at the funeral home and other ways to provide care for that family. Didn't take away the problem, didn't solve the world's problem, that idea of the presence of knowing that, hey, we're here, we're sorry, we love you, we're praying for you, we're helping you, anything we can do for you, man, that means a lot. It means a lot. So I know that kind of stuff happens. I know that within groups, and this is not a reason to join a group, but I know that within groups, there have been times when there have been financial needs, real needs, not people trying to take advantage of the system, but just hard luck. It can happen to any of us where a need comes up and, and there's no finances available, and the group decides they'll take up a collection. Not call the church and say, do we have any money in the budget that we can spare? But the group within themselves, members of that body, pull out their wallets, pull out their checkbooks, make a sacrifice, Give them some cash, write a check, and give them to that. Give that money to that pe person or those people without any strings attached, and say, "We love you. We hope this helps." It may not have taken care of the full need. It may not have solved the problem. But it's a group of people saying, "We care about you. We want to help you in any way we can. We're willing to give money of all things if that's what's needed." That's care, isn't it? That is, that is the way a group 
take care of each other. Those things are also, and I know those kinds of things happen within the groups. Those are the kinds of things that happen within groups. So here's what I want you to know. If you are not in a group in this church, it doesn't mean that we intentionally are going to neglect you and it's like you get special treatment if you're this or that. But the idea is I want you to know that if you're in a group, the chances and the ability to receive and give care are so much more increased. If you're in a group, you're so much more likely to receive better care than you would if you're not in a group. Because something may happen and you're not in a group, we may not even know that you have a need. And then you may call the church or somebody may call the church on your behalf and say, did you know so-and-so? And I'll tell you, the first question that I'll have is, hey, are they in a group? And if the answer is no, then it's like, okay, we got who has, do I have a relationship with that person? Does somebody else have a relationship with that person? What is going to be the best way that we can provide care for that person? And we honestly want to do that, but it makes it so much more difficult if you're not in a group. It's so much more easy and so much more, not just for the sake of being of ease, but so much more effective to say, oh, so-and-so's in that group. Let me contact that group leader, make sure they're aware of what's going on. Those people are going to take care of them. It's just such an awesome opportunity to be able to do that. So here's what I want you to think about, okay? You've got your connection card, right? I told the greeters again today, force it on them. If they don't have one, force it on them. If for some reason you've already filled yours out and put it in the offering bucket when it came out, when it, uh, when it came by, then you can uh, just let me know after the service. But what I want you to do, look at that connection card. There's a thing on there again. At the bottom, there's something about life groups. If you are not in a group, I want you to check that box. I'm not going to force you to be in a group, but I want to be able to give you more information, talk to you more about what it means to get in the group. We have different days. We have different times. Again, I know some of your schedules, it's almost, it seems almost impossible for you to be able to make it fit, but we want to try and do whatever we can. If you're not in a group, I want you to be able to say, hey, I want a group. Uh, teenagers and students, that applies to you. We don't only do groups for adults. We're going to talk about that more um, a little bit later on in, the, in another part of this series. But even if you're here and you're not in a group, just check that. Let us know you're a student. Be able to get in touch with you to be a part of the group because they do that too. They do small groups when they meet in a couple of different ways, and you'll hear more about that later. But so I want you to check that uh, if you're not in a group. We want to be able to get in touch with you. Not going to make you feel guilty. Again, I said last week, it's not that, well, you know, there are people who are in groups, and they're more holy than everybody else, and there's people who are not in groups. It's not about that. We just, as we've always said, it's not that we want something for you, we, uh, from you. We want something for you. We want you to be able to have that experience. We want you to be able to know when you say you belong to Freedom Fellowship that you're in a group, that, that you understand what that means more than just coming and being in the row on Sunday morning. We want you to know the experience of what it means to be in a circle, to be a part of a caring community. So I hope that you will do that. Um, and, and again, remember, two ways. Be in a group, not only to receive care, but we need you in a group to be able to be a part of that body, a part of that giftedness, to be able to give the care that's needed. You are needed. Your gift needs to be utilized. It doesn't need to sit stagnant. And so I will say to you, if you say, I'm a believer, 
I have no idea what you're talking about, about giftedness. I've never even heard of spiritual gifts. I've never even seen this scripture in a passage. I don't even know what you're talking about. You find me, and I will get with you, and I'll walk you through some things to help you discover how God may have gifted you and talk to you more about how you might can utilize that gift, okay? So that's not an excuse. Your gift is needed. It's a part of this body. It's a part of caring for this body, and it's a part of, of unity and the things that we read in the Scripture. So here, here, here's the thing that I want you to do. If you are already in a group, here's what I want you to think about. Are you utilizing your gift within that group, or are you just showing up like you would in a row? There has to be more to your group involvement than just saying you attended. You need to be actively engaged in that group. That group needs you to give of your gift and provide care for that group as well as receive. So I want to challenge you to do that. So you've got your card. You check that. We'll get in touch with you and help you do that. And then the last thing that I will say is this. Oftentimes, and we'll talk another, in another part of this, this series, the last part of this series of, you know, top ten reasons why people don't join a group. All right? Something like that. But I know some of you are still thinking, I don't have time for that. I don't need that. I've got family. I've got friends. I've got other friends within the church. I don't need that. You may not. I would disagree with you, but you've got to make that choice. But here's the thing that I want you to think about as well. Sometimes when we talk about people being prideful, we think about people who are not willing to do things for other people who may be like a lower status than they are, right? They're too proud. I don't want to associate with those people. They're not the same level of social or economic level than I am or whatever. We often associate being proud, having pride of not wanting or to do something for somebody else. Let me flip that around because I think pride is more recognized in what you will let other people do for you. If you won't let somebody care for you, you probably have a pride issue. And I see this all the time when people go through life and they're independent all their life and then health fails and they don't have a choice but somebody has to take care of them and it almost destroys them that somebody else had to take care of them. Now, I know that's probably not a good situation for any of us to be in. But what I want to challenge you is, is that you can't just go along as the lone soldier the rest of your life thinking that you don't need anything. If you think that, you probably need to deal with some pride issues because God has gifted the body in such a way that we give and receive care. That's what it's like to be in a community of care in a life group, and that's what we want for you. Pray with me. God, you know our hearts, and I, I just pray that you help uh, what, what I've been saying this morning, that you have filtered that in a way that people hear what you want them to hear, to see the importance of what it means to be in a group for, for their health and for their care, to utilize their gifts. It's just a really a more complete picture of the body of Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that you just prod people where they need to be prodded and encourage them and help them 
uh, if they're not in the group, you've got to change their heart and help them to be able to get rid of any obstacles that might be in their life that's preventing them from doing that. And for those of us who are already a part of a group, that you help us not just become complacent and lazy, but that we exercise the gifts that you've given us within those groups and make that group the community of care that you designed it to be in the body of Christ. So just thank you for each person here. Thank you that you have gifted us that we might understand that and utilize that in your body. In Jesus' name, amen.